Welcome to the Clifford Chance Careers podcast, where people from around the firm discuss hot topics affecting the legal profession, share their career advice, and offer unique insights into their personal career stories. I'm Matthew Newick. I'm the head of our global uh, litigation and dispute resolution practice, and I'm here today with Stephanie Ophelia. Stephanie and I are one of many reverse mentoring partnerships across the firm, uh, and we're focusing on the ethnicity strand, and I'm delighted to speak with Stephanie about her career. But before we do go on to discuss your career at Clifford Chance and your personal story, Stephanie, as your mentee, I'm going to ask you a dangerous question, and that is how you found the reverse mentoring experience so far. Thank you, Matthew. Happy to be here. Um, I've really loved the reverse mentoring experience so far. I really enjoyed it because I think it's a great opportunity to share things that kind of you think and that sometimes you and other people with in similar boats to would discuss and um, think about, but never really have the opportunity to speak to someone who's more senior to you or someone you know in a position of influence over the firm or um, impact and talk to them about these things that bother you, that you think about, um, and actually make a difference in the firm in a positive way. Um, and being so junior, you feel like you don't really have any say in the firm. And this is kind of a way of helping to get your voice out there and to just talk to people about the way you're feeling. And um, actually, it's also a way to learn yourself as well, because there's often times where I say, you know, X, Y, and Z has happened, or, you know, I've been talking about X with Y, with this, you know, so-and-so person. Um, and these are the kind of things that people are thinking and you would say oh yeah well actually we've thought about that and the reason why we do this thing in a certain way is because of this and actually you it makes me think okay great this thing has been thought about and actually decisions have been made with a clear rationale um, it's a good opportunity to allow someone the opportunity to think in a way that they would never think just because why you know in a, think from my perspective um, in a way that would be different to the way they'd usually think because they'd never really had the thought to or had a reason to. Well, I mean, thank you very much for the time that you put into it and you are an incredibly uh, patient and insightful <laughs> reverse mentor, so I'm extremely lucky about that. And I, I'm going to interject here with some of my own experience from that side of the relationship as well, and I could happily talk about that for an hour because I do find... I've got an enormous amount out of it, but I'm going to try to boil it down to two things. And one is that I, I think I've always regarded myself as relatively woke, and I remember you <laughs> laughing at me for the use of the word woke. You didn't even think I'd know what it was. <laughs> um, I've always regarded myself as relatively woke uh, and certainly well-meaning on the area of race and also gender, which is all tied up uh, with this as well. But one of the things this has done is it's made me realise that I'm only in the foothills of wokeness, if I could put it that way. And just to give you an example, it's given me much greater insight about what it feels like to be someone who's not, who, who is different from the majority of yeah. people in the firm. And that's quite difficult intellectual exercise to get through. And so speaking to someone like you helps with that. But the, the other thing is that it's helped me to understand my own privilege. And in that respect, I think the best example is some of the homework you sent me. And there's this book which has a rather confronting title for a white middle-aged man by Reniedo Lodge. And it's why I'm no longer talking about to white people about race and I just got to read a little bit about it because it, it illustrates the privilege point um, when each of the sectors I mentioned earlier have such dire racial representation you'd have to be fooling yourself if you really think that the homogeneous glut of middle-aged white men currently clogging the upper echelons of most professions 
got there purely through talent alone. We don't live in a meritocracy and to pretend that simple hard work will elevate all to success is an exercise in willful ignorance. Quite difficult to stomach that as a white middle-aged man who thinks he's worked hard to get where he's got, but until you accept that proposition, I don't think we can really make progress. I think it's, it's a brilliantly argued book, it's a brilliantly written book, and uh, it's right. So that has been an enormous eye-opener for me. And I think the second thing is it's just given me much more confidence to talk about race. Mm. And if we don't talk about race um, with one another, we don't make progress, it seems to me. So thank you very much for that. It's made a huge difference to me. Enough about me. I now um, want to ask you some things. So I know that you do various things in the BAME space outside of the office. Are you willing and able to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, so I co-founded and run a network for black British junior professionals called the Black British City Group, um, BBCG for short. And uh, it's essentially a network that brings um, junior black British professionals across predominantly finance, consulting and law um, to network with one another, together to network with one another, form relationships that are meant to be helpful throughout their careers and actually their personal lives to be fair, um, but also to impact the black British community in a positive way. So to support black owned businesses, to support black owned charities or charities whereby the charitable objectives will um, further the black British community and also to mentor um, BAME youth and the point of it really was we saw you know the stats and everything you hear and you know so, so for example if a black person walks into a bank and has a business idea and they want a loan for it and their white counterparty walks into the same bank with the same idea then um, the black person is less likely to get that loan so things like that we we saw and you know we saw to our minds black people in this country were at a slight were at a slight disadvantage so we wanted to try and help and use kind of our privilege and you know we're all privileged and to be in the positions we're in professionally um to help others from the black british community i'm in awe of the time and energy that that you put into that because i know how difficult it is just making our way within this environment so to be able to make that sort of contribution outside the firm as i say fills me with awe so thank you very much for that and your comment about the the loan, the likelihood of getting the loan, reminds me of one of the first great insights you gave me, which was to point me towards, in fact, I remember you showing me in Starbucks the um, Privilege Walk video. And for those listening who haven't seen it, YouTube, um, look it up. Uh, it's, a, it's a very insightful uh, illustration of exactly that kind of disadvantage that uh, we all tend to ignore. Right, so now I want to get a bit of a sense for you personally. Um, first question, what did you want to be when you were younger? Um, so, funnily enough, I actually wanted to be a lawyer, but not the kind of lawyer I am now. I kind of, you know, watched things like Judge Judy on the TV and thought that lawyers all wear these fancy, in my, to my mind, costumes um, and wigs and put away bad guys. Um, so when I was younger, I really wanted to be a lawyer. And then as I got older and kind of got a bit of experience and understood what that meant in reality, I decided that actually I don't want to be a barrister who goes to court and wears the wig and gown. Um, I like business, so actually commercial law suits me better, but um, a lawyer. <laughs> right from the early days. Yeah, I think it was, it was the TV. <laughs> <laughs> and still in the early, early days, what is the dish that makes you think of your childhood? 
Um, so it's a Nigerian dish called, um, it's rice and stew, but stew is a bit different to the way it's kind of the English stew. So it's like a tomato based stew, which is literally just tomatoes fried with onions and different spices. And then it's usually cooked with chicken and beef. Um, so rice, stew, plantain, which is kind of like a less sweet, slightly more dense banana that you fry. Um, and mixed veg, which I never ate because I just hated frozen mixed veg my mum would boil and oh. But yeah, rice stew, um, plantain and mixed veg. It's one of the benefits I haven't yet got <laughs> out of my reverse mentoring relationship. <laughs> yeah. That sounds very good. Uh, and what's the best piece of advice you were given? Um, I think I was, all, I was told actually a few years ago, life is not a rush um, and things will happen as they're supposed to happen, which is not to say don't try and don't um, you know push things forward, but it's just to say don't get too caught up in kind of I should be doing this or I should be at this stage at this age, and you know just keep just keep pushing and things will fall into place. Um, and the second thing that I think is also I've been told that was really really helpful to me is that comparison is a thief of joy. Um, so, you know, never compare yourself to anybody else and that you'll do things. And I guess it ties in my first, the first point. You'll do things in your own time and in your own way. Um, and you are you. You're not anybody else. No one else can achieve what you personally can achieve in, you, in the same way you can do it. So never compare yourself to anybody else. It really resonates with me. I've spent my entire life comparing myself unfavorably with people mm. and it's never done me any good. No. Um, so I, I really like that piece of advice. And so turning it around, what advice would you give to someone who was sort of you at 16? I would say, again, things always fall into place, so don't worry. Um, I would also say that you can, you can actually be anything and do anything you want to do with hard work and determination. So I remember when I was 16, for example, at school, I was always put into the middle set, despite the fact that I would a lot of the time score higher on tests than those in the um, upper sets. And it used to really dishearten me and, and demotivate me. Um, so, but then I learned, you know, with hard work, I can do anything I want to do. And I think it's kind of, that's kind of taken me through since. So in summary, with hard work, you can do and be whatever you want to do and be. And we've talked a bit about um, why you chose a career in law mm. or what you, you wanted to be early on. Was there any difference in the analysis when you came to actually make that decision and why you wanted to be a lawyer? Um, so I still, I feel like I still had that kind of, I want to be a lawyer in my head when I went to university. But then the more I looked into it, the less I kind of, you know, thought it was for me. So I thought, oh, I don't really want to stand up in court all the time and, you know, have to be overly formal all the time. This doesn't really go with my personality. Um, I don't really like the tradition of it all. Um, and I really dislike the solitude um, of being a barrister. So then I started to come away from that, started, I joined a business society, um, started to hang out with lots of people who did business at university. And then I found commercial law and I thought, oh wow, this is exactly what I want. So it's something that marries the two, law and business. So that kind of, um, that's how I kind of arrived here. <laughs> so then you did arrive here. Yeah. And um, just give us a bit of a flavour for what this place feels like to you. So I think for me, sometimes it feels very surreal, but this, but then 
at other times it feels very normal and I say that because I remember being at university and looking at kind of the fancy graduate recruitment, graduate recruitment website and thinking wow like this this place is so amazing and you know how would I ever get here and it's it was I was kind of just a bit in awe um and then you know you apply for an open day and then you get rejected and you apply for different things and then eventually you start getting um the acceptances so it was just a bit it was it's just a bit surreal for me to kind of look back at what I used to think before and think wow I'm actually here um but I say now that sometimes it feels normal as well because everyone here is really like down to earth and very normal so when you're in the environment you don't feel like you are actually in a place that's doing as well as Clifford Chance or you know at the kind of top of the profession in the way Clifford Chance is so I I really like so I really like that so to me yeah surreal but also normal at the same time but also it's also very exciting you know the kind of deals we do the kind of clients we interact with and also the kind of opportunities we're given. Can I just go back to Mm. the point that you're making about when you were at school and despite the grades you were getting Mm. you were in the middle set Mm. why was that do you think? I don't know so I think that's so I've got quite a big personality and I think at school although I wasn't naughty at all I was just very I wasn't like kind of a wallflower so I feel like I was immediately I wasn't I also wasn't very you wouldn't immediately look at look at me and think oh yeah she's she loves books which actually I do I did always have or um, she's very studious so I feel like people have this idea of me which is very different to the way I actually am um, and also I, I, I wasn't and have never been very good at like this whole perception game. So I know that you have to be good at this. Oh, you need to be perceived in a certain way and make sure you say the right thing. Um, so I feel like that maybe gave my teachers a certain idea of me. And I remember thinking, I remember teachers actually being shocked at my GCSE grades and then later my A-level grades. Um, and it was just very bizarre to me because they were always my grades which was interesting. Mm. So I think maybe I just wasn't perceived to have been um, studious or intelligent or, to, yeah. And do you think that had anything to do with race? Um, so I've read lots of studies and um, there is actually a book called Slay in Your Lane, which has a whole chapter about education and the bias in education um, against um, black girls and black boys. And after reading that, I actually think maybe it did, but I... I I'm not sure. You can never be 100% sure of these things. Um, but I'm quite lucky because I always had parents who would always push me to do as best I could and also to ignore any anybody who told me otherwise. Right. Now it is time for quickfire questions. Uh, and the first one is, what book has had the biggest impact on you? Um, Noughts and Crosses by Mallory Blackman which is, I, I, read, I actually read this book when I was about 12 and it was quite a nice kind of easy um, way in and it was a book that kind of t- taught me that race is a social construct but in a very child-friendly way because it's a novel, it is fiction but there are you know small sprinklings of it in there um, which actually I think is very important to understand especially at a young age when certain things happen you think, oh, why is that happening? So... Uh... And now, what's your favourite quotation? Um, my favourite quotation is, leap and the net will appear, i.e. just go for it, and you'll land on your feet, eventually. Slight, <laughs> slight change of tack now, what about your go-to karaoke song? Um, 
So it's a song by um, Sunshine Anderson called I, he I Heard It All Before, which is just my favourite. I think the tones work really well for my voice. I feel like I can really sing when I sing that song. <laughs> <laughs> and you're not allowed to answer iPhone to this question, what's the one thing you never oh, leave no. your house without? Is that what you're going to It would answer? have been iPhone, like a true, uh, yeah, like a true millennial. Fair um, enough. Yeah. Because it's literally got everything on there. It's got my Oyster card, my wallet, my... It's even got, like, my um, heating. I turn my heating on through the Nest app. So I literally never leave my house without it. Um, you don't have to answer now, though. <laughs> Let me think. Is there anything else? No, that is truly it. There are many times I go out with just my phone. It's funny, I was thinking, about it when I was looking at that question, is there yeah. anything else I could answer and I couldn't come no. up with anything? I know. Lip then, balm, maybe. The what, sorry? Lip balm. Yeah. <laughs> and then the last question, uh, if you could have dinner with one person, they can be dead or alive, mm. who would that be? It's very cliche, but I'd say Michelle Obama. Um, I just find her incredibly inspiring. Um, having also read her autobiography, Becoming, I just made me even more in awe of her. And I'd love to ask her lots of questions. And I also just, if you get a chance, read that book because it's amazing. And the way she speaks about the way she had to kind of tailor herself to be acceptable um, just really resonated with me. So, yeah, it was, I'd love to pick her brains. Well, I have some further ideas for reading and karaoke songs now which is um, not something I ever enjoy but something occasionally I get forced to do so that's <laughs> helpful um, see if it works for my voice as well I feel like I it will <laughs> um, thank you for being a first class mentor uh, yeah, it's been enormously helpful for me and enormously helpful for the firm because you spending time uh, trying to give us the benefit of your insights really really makes a difference for us so thank you uh, and also thank you for sharing a bit of yourself right now. So if you enjoyed listening to this, you may be interested in listening to some of our other episodes. To find out more about life at Clifford Chance, please visit the careers section of our website.